Text NABPAC to 52886 and join us in defending employee-funded and business trade association PACs. Text NABPAC to 52886. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast. I'm Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director, and today, Adam, is a milestone for our show. It is indeed, Michaela. This is episode 60, and thanks to our incredibly loyal listeners, we never could have created and sustained this podcast without you. So true. The participation from our amazing pros around our industry has been our greatest resource, and it's really impossible to say whether we would have taken this journey had the pandemic not impacted the planet when it did, but but we did take the leap. And at episode 60, I do know this, we are just getting started, Adam. And we're accelerating into the turn, Michaela. On this program for the first time, our special guest, an accomplished strategic director of political advocacy and communication, Courtney Schoenborn from New York Life Insurance Company. And we held onto this guest booking for this 60th episode, and I'm so glad that we did and that we were able to make it happen. Courtney is a leader and a professional and someone that NABPackers truly respect. I'm excited to get her insights into the new playbook, running a fully operational national program in the age of virtual. But first, a quick activities update. Hey, Michaela, I heard there was a heck of a fun webinar this week. <laughs> well, we had our wonderful Adam Belmar, co-host of the Facts About Packs podcast, on a really insightful webinar beyond the written word and what it takes to look at video and podcasting and how to incorporate that into your overall programs. It was great to talk with the membership that was gathered. From my perspective, I know that people are thinking visually because grassroots and grass tops advocacy and all of the outreach that we do has a visual component. And as we start to bring in sound and video, it's where our entire culture is moving. And there's no reason we should feel that we can't jump in and be successful at it too. But as I said last week on the show, the real big ticket in NABPAC world is the Reconnect one day in-person conference. And we're getting closer and closer. It's coming up on November 10th at the National Housing Center, Michaela. We are beyond excited about November 10th at the National Housing Center, our back to in-person annual PAC conference. As most folks know that have been around NAPAC for a while, this is our off-election in-person conference, and this is really going to be geared towards reconnecting the PAC community and making sure that folks are having an opportunity to talk to one another, sort of hash out what's happened over the last two years, lessons learned, and where we go from here. So we're really excited about our registrations thus far. I think we're going to have a great afternoon, Adam. We are indeed, Michaela, and even as we think about life at the end of 2021, another important date to put on the books if you're a NAB packer coming up on the 7th of December, a legal webinar with Mark Renaud from Wiley. It's a must-attend event. If you are keeping an eye on compliance, make sure that your pen is full of ink. Notes will be taken, Michaela. Indeed, and as we used to say when Abigail Cave was behind the mic, let's light this candle, Mr. Belmar. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAPPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And today's special episode 60 is brought to you by Access Marketing Services. From design to podcast, from infographics to digital, work with the team that leading PACs and government affairs programs call when they need results. Access Marketing Services. Thanks so much, Adam. And joining 
joining us now is Courtney Shornborn, Corporate VP, Government Affairs at New York Life. Thanks so much for coming to join us for this conversation on our big anniversary, Courtney. I'm honored to be here on such an auspicious occasion and, of course, to be a part of NAPAC. Well, Courtney, we're taping this show right before Halloween, less than a week before Election Day 2021. And this second pandemic year, what has been a top point of focus for you and your program at New York Life? You know, we are really focused on grassroots engaging, making sure that we're staying in touch, both from the government affairs perspective with our top advocates, but that they're also doing their work back in the field and the districts and staying in touch with their elected officials. We're also making sure in this work from home virtual environment that we're taking advantage of the technology and other ways of staying in touch to help keep those communications and that activity momentum going forward. Everybody has struggled through this time, Courtney, and some institutions, and New York Life is an institution in this nation, have great resources, but it, it really comes down to people and creativity and the ability to overcome. You guys have done that and you've done it really well. I know that your team had a really terrific virtual fly-in at the end of last month. And it was something that you all had to push back from March of this year, which I think a lot of people can relate to. But there's some specifics about your story that I think people can learn a lot from. So let's dive in. Will you share with everybody how it was that you were able to connect 110 agents with more than 80 Senate offices during this virtual event? Adam, it really took a village within our community at New York Life to pull this event together. Annually, we have been able to bring some of our top advocates to Washington, D.C. to have them participate in advocacy training, plus a day on the Hill, that traditional storming Capitol Hill, visiting all those offices. Well, the pandemic disrupted things, and we decided instead of trying to postpone it yet again, we were going to do it virtually. And we started off by taking a smaller bite at that apple. Earlier this year in April, we tested a virtual event where we connected 30 of our advocates with their federal officials in a virtual format. And we learned some great lessons from there. One is making sure that you have good preparation in advance, that you're practicing those meetings. You only get a 15 or 20 minute segment with that congressional office. You want every minute to be of great value. And preparing our advocates was the best way to make good use of their time and good use of that staffer or lawmaker's time as well. So making sure we made that event scalable, learning those lessons in April, to apply it in September with over 110 agents, it was really helpful to have had that test run in our pocket. Well, let's drill down because you're talking about practice. And I know here at NABPAC, Michaela and the entire team has really tried to put that into practice when we have gotten together with lawmakers. Will you talk about state captains and the ideas of having moderators in these meetings? How did it manifest itself? And what was the reaction you got from the people who took these leadership roles? They find that the payoff was really there in the end. So for our advocates, what we did to help structure having larger numbers of advocates in each Senate office meeting, for example, delegations like California or New York, where we had over a dozen advocates represented for those states, we asked leaders within those state delegations to serve as state captains. They helped to decipher who was saying what when. And practicing that in a practice meeting session 
where one of my, either myself or a colleague from our government affairs team was there to provide guidance and helpful tips really made the difference. It's the difference between having an awkward meeting with weird pauses or having one with smooth transitions and getting to hear from a wide variety of voices with different experiences, but still sticking to that really tight 15, 20 minute timeline. In fact, we use the power of virtual meetings to help us film a video where myself and my colleagues from my government affairs team demonstrated what it would look like to have a meeting with multiple constituents all speaking, not over top of each other, but in a nice tight order that was really effective at getting our message across and sharing our New York life experience. Courtney, this is a great playbook, and I love that y'all had a test run in April to kind of work out the kinks. One thing I've learned as NAPAC moved to the virtual environment with our policymaker speaker series, and even with the podcast, you really can't have dead air in this virtual environment, and it is incredibly awkward. And it sounds like you did see some real benefits through conducting those practice virtual meetings. Any other lessons learned there? Absolutely. I think Making sure your advocates are comfortable with the material is very key. That allows them to personalize what might be some pretty generic talking points to make them tell their personal stories. Everyone wants to know we're a life insurance company. Our agents are in the business of serving their clients through some of the toughest times they've experienced over this pandemic. So being able to share stories about whether helping somebody unfortunately deal with the death of a loved one or how their business income may have been impacted. Our agents were well-equipped to share those stories and pass along the experiences of both themselves and their clients with their elected officials. So covering that dead air wasn't tough for our agents who were really well-versed and proud of their experiences as New York Life agents. These meetings are special. How did everybody demonstrate that respect? Was this encumbered by masks in some cases? Was everyone suited up very much the way that they would normally be if they were going to the Hill in person? Yeah, that's a great question, Adam. You know, it was really interesting to see while they were all virtual meetings, how varied the experience was, depending upon where that congressional staff or where that lawmaker was at the time of our meeting. We did experience situations where the congressional staff participating in our meeting had to wear a mask because they were in their group office settings. Occasionally, we had a staffer who was logged on to our video meeting, but they didn't have their video turned on. And we could only imagine the chaos that was occurring behind them um, in one of those small, cramped Senate offices. But our agents and our participants really brought their A-game. We had state delegations make a decision together in their practice meeting that they were going to show up dressed in business attire, wearing a suit, wearing a tie, wearing, you know, uh, their blazer, and really approaching this with the same seriousness and the same commitment as if they were coming um, to Washington, D.C. to meet with their lawmakers. And it was very rewarding to see how important these meetings were to our advocates. Government affairs, we're asking our agents to take time away from their business and serving their clients. And they responded wholeheartedly saying, this is a good use of my time. This is valuable for my clients and myself professionally. And it's just wonderful to be on the receiving end of that kind of commitment. And I mean, you know, they didn't have to take a couple of days away from the job, from their families. They could get prepared, but really more folks could be engaged. Sounds like you had great integration across the program with all of your agents and your federal lobbying team. Why is that kind of buy-in, do you think, so important to strive for? 
So we talk about how our government affairs team, we may be based either in the DC or New York City metro area, yet we have New York Life clients across the country. And of course, we have agents in every congressional district who serve thousands of those clients who are constituents. So being able to have that representation in our virtual advocacy meetings is critically important. Our main goal was to have very effective advocacy meetings. So when you think about a traditional fly-in, you may have had many hours of briefings, but also social events as well. And so we really took a look at, let's laser focus on that goal of having great effective advocacy meetings. So we looked at it and said, being over-prepared for that specific element is prepared. So we want to talk through contingencies of what to do if an advocate's internet went down, what to do if the staffer was a few minutes late joining the meeting. You know, our agents being respectful of their time, we only ask them to block out certain time periods on their calendar during our fly-in. So we wanted to make sure that we were staying within those windows, both for our agents, but then of course, for our lawmakers as well. Michaela, one thing that I've learned from you and the team at NABPAC and the membership in general is that doing a post-meeting survey can be a really great benefit, not only to building support for what we've just done, but figuring out what things we could do better and how. I wonder, Courtney, this is something that you do too, is that right? It is. And it's really an important tool. And we do them for two different audiences. Of course, we ask our advocates, was this a good use of your time? Would you do this again? What would you recommend that we edit or tweak? And you know, I can say wholeheartedly, we had really positive feedback. Of course, our advocates miss getting together in person and we miss seeing them in person, but they felt like this was an efficient, effective way to use their time. And then that second audience, that's my colleagues. I wanna make sure that I'm, being responsive to their observations. And with each of them participating in these meetings alongside with our advocates, they had some great feedback. And we've been able to incorporate that. We were doing it when we had in-person clients. And of course, we're doing it now with virtual ones as well. Courtney, you know, as the world begins to move back to in-person meetings, and we've talked a lot at NAPAC about the importance of those in-person conversations and connections. I don't think that has changed, but I do think that virtual events are likely here to stay and they will be incorporated into an overall program. I know here at NAPAC, when you talk about hybrid events, you know, we're really looking at mixing in-person events, but still maintaining our webinars and virtual programming because to what you talked about earlier, we've been able to bring in so many other advocates and members and interested stakeholders to participate in our programs that aren't in the DC area. And so we don't want to lose that momentum. And I think as we look forward to 2022, how are you scaling up on the model you've just described? Is this something that you'll also continue to implement maybe even at the state level? Absolutely. So, you know, traditionally our clients have always been in-person activities, but we realized and we saw successfully that they can be held via virtual meetings as well. So now we have another tool in our toolbox and we are definitely looking at that, especially as we think about state legislatures and their activities, being able to put together a virtual fly-in without having to plan out conference room space and hotel rooms. This gives us so much more flexibility. For example, we may be doing virtual fly-ins 
on the West Coast or having more opportunities to be more nimble and more responsive when that legislative urgent issue crops up. Absolutely. It sounds like you're going to be well prepared for that, especially at the state level. Those issues crop up very quickly, much more quickly than at the federal level. And I will say I, for one, am glad to have less food and beverage contracts. So Courtney, thank you so much for your time and your insights and just for being a great guest on the Facts About PACs podcast and a fabulous leader on the NAPAC Executive Committee. Thanks so much, Michaela. I have been overjoyed to be able to give back to the profession and to be part of this wonderful community. And thanks to everybody downloading and sharing the Facts About PACs podcast. As ever, employee-funded and business trade association PACs are the most transparent and regulated form of political giving. And NAPAC is dedicated to defending that record and championing the amazing PAC professionals who lead these vital teams. Subscribe and meet us right back here on the Facts About PACs podcast.